God. Aren't you glad to be living for God? Something broke in the spiritual realm this morning. And I believe that God is going to do something tonight that's mighty. I'm going to ask everybody to really, really throw in some big amens and some glory to God and hallelujahs. And let's believe God for a great, mighty move of the Spirit tonight. What do you say? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, let this service now, God, let there be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let there be signs and wonders done in your holy name. Let blessings and goodness and the power of God flow through this house. God, if there's anybody sick tonight, let them be healed. Lord, if there's anybody worshiping with us online that's not well, let them be healed. God, fill people with the Holy Ghost in their homes tonight. Fill people with the Holy Ghost in this building. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I know that we've had a lot going on tonight, and I appreciate so much. Everything's been so great. Sister Lisa did such a wonderful job, and, and the praise team did a wonderful job. And everybody's done good, now it's my turn. So nothing like putting on a little pressure there, okay? So I'm going to have to really turn up my game here right now. Hallelujah. But I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful right now that I'm teaching four home Bible studies. And I recommend that you do the same. Get a Bible study and teach. You'll never be happier than when you're teaching somebody a home Bible study. How many of you are teaching a personal Bible study to somebody, just stand to your feet. If you're teaching at least one personal Bible study, look at this. There's one. I, there's four. All right. Brother Shane's got four. I have four. You've got one. All right. Nine. And there's one. There's 10. So we got at least 10 Bible studies going on right now, and there's probably more. Amy's got, okay, she's, she got three, so we got 13 Bible studies. You know what? The devil thought he was going to take us out of the game, but he can't do it. And so if you have your Bibles tonight, I am absolutely excited to bring part two of the message I started preaching this morning, and I think you're going to be excited about it. Praise God. If you're not anointed, get excited. I'm so blessed to see Brother Ronnie and Sonia back there worshiping God tonight. And I said to myself, that's a miracle right there. Hallelujah. I saw him with his hands raised up worshiping God. I was just thankful unto the Lord for what God is doing in his family. And I think it won't be long before he sees, him and his wife sees their children coming in and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming. We're running out of time. So the greatest revival. I need to find an architect. Somebody that knows architects. I need to find an architect. We need to get our design. We've talked about it long enough. It's time to get a design going for over there. And let's believe God. What do you think? Praise God. I think we can do this with the help of God. But Sean got the Holy Ghost this morning. 
and, and he's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. And I just feel like the devil has fought him very hard, but I feel like God has a tremendous and a significant future for you, young men. I believe that. Praise God. So the best is yet to come. Are you ready? All of our guests, thank you for coming. All the guests online, thank you. 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 6. Lend me your ear. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land. And I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. And I'm preaching tonight once again, part two, be not afraid, victory ahead. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, with your attention upon the Word of God, get ready for a move of the Spirit. You may be seated. I'm not going to preach the stuff that I preached this morning, but just let me tie into where we're going. The northern kingdom of Israel had been carried away captive to Assyria because of their willful sinning and backsliding. And then the Assyrians came back and decided they would also take Judah and the holy city of Jerusalem. And they gathered outside the walls of Jerusalem and they shouted for all the residents to hear, surrender or be tortured. Surrender or we'll deal severely with you. It was the enemy's strategy to do this to cause fear and division. They wanted to make the people of God doubt the leadership of King Hezekiah, who was telling them, don't listen to these people, trust the Lord. And so the army stood outside the walls of Jerusalem, and they said, if you don't surrender, we're going to torture and kill you. And they tried to make Hezekiah look bad, and they said, don't listen to Hezekiah. Who tells you to trust in the Lord? Did the Lord help the other countries? For thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present. Come out to me. And then eat every man of his own vine, every one of his fig tree, and drink every one the waters of his cistern. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own, he lied. A land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, olive, and of honey. Well, Hezekiah heard all of this, and he went to the house of God. And again, I said this this morning, I'm moving on to some new material. But you know what? The devil has made a concerted effort to keep you away from the house of God. He knows that when you're in the house of God, your kids are going to get the Holy Ghost. He knows that when you're in the house of God, you're going to get your healing. He knows that when you're in the house of God, everything you need, God will supply. And so he says, 
you better be careful. You better watch out. You better stay out of the house of God. I'll kill you. If you go to the house of God, I'll give you COVID-19. You go to the house of God, you're going to die. Devil, you are a liar. Somebody say, praise God. So he took his problems to the house of God. And he went into the temple to pray. And I appreciate what Sister Lisa said, said about prayer. Any revival that is a genuine revival must be preceded, preceded and accompanied by prayer. I was so encouraged Saturday night to see a whole lot of folks come to prayer meeting. I am going to ask God to make Saturday night one of the largest meetings that our church has. And when you come... You're going to feel the presence of God. Some of you are going to fall on the floor and begin to weep and speak in tongues. Because God is going to bless us when we come together to pray for our nation. When we come together to pray for our state. When we come to pray for the backsliders and the prodigals. God is going to bless us. I predict to you that the revival that comes next is going to be led by the prodigal sons and daughters. And they're coming home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I believe that God is with us. How many know that we serve the Almighty God? How many know that He's a God that can do anything? Absolutely anything. How many know there's nothing too hard for God? And I said this this morning, I'll say it again. There has been a spirit of fear that has been waging war against us. It has something to do with fear of COVID, but it also transcends that. There has just been a general feeling of fear. Some people have been afraid and they don't even know why they have been afraid. And I'm going to tell you why. It's spiritual warfare. There's a spirit called fear. And we, we take dominion over that spirit of fear tonight. The spirit of fear says uh, you're not going to make it. The spirit of fear says you're not going to make the rapture. The spirit of fear says your finances are going to go bust. The spirit of fear says uh, your health is going to go downhill. The spirit of fear says every negative and horrible thing it can say. And I know that some folks have been fighting with a knot in their stomach. I felt a physical deliverance that came this morning while we were worshiping and praising God. I felt God raise that, lift that spirit of fear off of people. I would not have you raise your hand, and please don't. But there are several, perhaps either in the building or online, that knows what it feels like to have a panic attack. You know what it feels like to have an anxiety attack. And you know what? One of the things the devil does he doesn't want anybody to he doesn't want anybody to ask anybody for prayer. She talked about being transparent with your prayer partner because sometimes the devil is going to try to shame you and try to make you feel shamed because uh, you might have had a panic attack or you might have had an anxiety attack and 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 then it gets worse because you don't feel like you can even share it with anybody lest they think less of you. How many know what I'm talking about? If you knew how many people that dumb devil has lied to, 
How many people have put on a nice face, but inside their stomach was in a knot? But today, I declare victory in the name of Jesus over the spirit of panic, over the spirit of anxiety, over the spirit of fear. Today, I declare it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Matter of fact, I think we ought to just raise our voices. And if you want to just stand to your feet just for a moment and give God the praise for victory and deliverance. Hallelujah. When I first started preaching, I think I had a panic attack every time I stepped on the platform. Woo! Number one fear in America is not COVID. It's public speaking. I thank God. Now hear me tonight. I believe that somebody that's here tonight will be able to understand what God is saying to you. There is somebody under the sound of my voice that the devil has been making some very Big threats against you. Dire, dreadful, frightful. And he's been whispering things to you maybe about a relative or maybe about your health. He might be whispering in your ear, you only have X amount of days left. You are a dead man. He has whispered in your ear these very words, you are on the edge And he said these words, you are on the brink. Now understand something about the devil. He loves to speak half truths. The worst lies are those that most resemble truth. It's twice as hard to crush a half truth as a whole lie. That's why you shouldn't be getting your doctrine off the internet. That's why this guy here is going to teach and preach and I will bring in other people to teach and preach and we've got ministers on staff that teach and preach and you need to be careful what you listen to because now we are racing the clock. Jesus is coming and the deceiver would like to deceive. So the devil has whispered in somebody's ear, you're standing on the edge but he didn't tell you That you're standing on the edge of the greatest miracle that you've ever seen. He only told you half. He said you're standing on the edge. What he didn't tell you conveniently was you're standing on the greatest miracle. You're about to see the biggest revival. You're going to see the biggest blessing. I already went to somebody tonight and prayed for their business. God is going to bless you like you've never been blessed before. Only keep God first in your life. He said you're standing on the brink. He didn't tell you you're standing on the brink of the biggest blessing you've ever received your whole life. 
I was reading something in the scripture and it got me. It was just a little passage in Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 8 where Paul was just making a casual statement. And he said, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. And it hit me. I begin to think about the people that are coming to the church and praying, and the people who are praying in their homes, and, and the people who are praying at a place on their job, and those who have secret prayer places where they go for prayer walks. And I begin to think how the disciples tarried in the upper room until Pentecost. How they waited and they delayed what they were doing and they lingered. They stayed longer than they intended to stay. Folks, in the name of Jesus, stop trying to put Jesus Christ on your microwave ATM fast food drive through schedule. You're going to have to push things to the side. You want to see that boy saved. You want to see that girl saved. Somebody's going to have to make a decision and say, all right, I'm going to take this time. It's going to be a sacrifice. There are some folks that are waking up at four in the morning because God's waking them up to pray. There are some people that are getting up early. Some people are praying in the middle of the day. Some people are praying late at night. But I know that God is talking to us. And I was reading the scripture and Paul said, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. And then he said something that really got my attention. He said, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. And I thought, oh my God, that's where we are right now. That's where this church is. That's where individuals are. A great door above the normal, above the average, substantial, significant, effectual, effective, successful, productive, fruitful is open unto me. And there are many adversaries, opponents, antagonists, combatants. If you are having some resistance... It is a good sign, not a bad sign. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It means that you are positioned somewhere around a great and effectual door. Oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Isaiah went into the temple. He cried and prayed. He stretched a letter out before the Lord. He said, Lord, see what they're saying. And when he was done praying, Isaiah, the prophet, was moved by God. And he said, the Lord says, tell your master not to be troubled by the threats these Assyrians have made. They have blasphemed me. I think we need to understand something. This fight is not just against us. This fight is against God. This fight is trying to blaspheme God. And that's exactly what Isaiah told Hezekiah. And did you know, would you believe that the king of Assyria received bad news from home, decided to return, and when he got there, he was killed. This guy that was saying... This is what we're going to do to you. God fixed him. 
For the word of God says in 2 Kings, For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now watch this. I believe you're going to see some of this happening. Watch this. Verse 35, 2 Kings 19. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred fourscore and five thousand. That's a hundred and eighty-five thousand. And when they arose in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. That night, the angel of the Lord killed a hundred and eighty-five thousand Assyrian troops, and the dead bodies were seen all across the landscape in the morning. And I know the devil's beating his chest and saying, this is what I'm going to do to you. This is what I'm going to do to your family. But you need to rise up and say, you haven't blasphemed me. You've blasphemed the Lord. I'm asking for the angel of the Lord to chase after that devil and smite him. I'm asking for the angel of the Lord to make that devil's way slippery so he can't stand up and he falls down. And then I want the angel of the Lord to smite that sucker. And let God defend us. I give you praise, God. Most people, Brother Costa mentioned this last week, have heard about General Chuck Yeager being the first man to break the sound barrier. What you probably don't know about General Chuck Yeager is that he got airsick on his first flight. Who would have thought that? Perhaps the greatest aviator of all time, but he didn't start out that way. On his first flight, he got airsick. You probably didn't know that he flew 341 different types of aircraft, but never ever owned an airplane of his own. And in the 1940s, no one knew for sure what would happen when and if an airplane got to approximately 770 miles per hour. There were many who believed that hitting the sound barrier would be like hitting a brick wall. So Chuck Yeager climbed painfully down into the X-1 as it lay in the airborne belly of the huge mothership, a B-29 superfortress, Four-engine heavy bomber. Chuck Yeager gets in this little rocket plane called an X-1. And nobody knew it, but the day or two before, he had fallen off a horse. And he had to use a broom handle to be able to shut the door of that little plane. And he didn't tell his superior officers. He wanted to fly that mission. And he uses a a broom handle to get the door shut because he can't raise his hand high enough to shut it. He snapped the the cover shut. And at 20,000 feet, he dropped out of the bomb bay of a B-29 with a jolt with all four rockets firing. The plane started shaking violently. Everything that could be shaken was shaken. As Jerry Lee Lewis would later write, there was a whole lot of shaking going on. Everything was shaking. The mock needle edged up to past Mach 0.900. Everything shook harder. 
and the needle moved to Mach 0.950. It shook harder, and it looked like the rivets were going to come out of the jet, and he moved on to Mach 0.965, which means he was already going past 740 miles an hour. And he pushes the throttle forward. And down upon earth for the first time was heard a sonic boom. As the shock waves were disturbed by a human in a little rocket plane that burst through the sound barrier. And suddenly he said, I was flying supersonic. He said, suddenly it went from rough to as smooth as a baby's bottom. Grandma, he said, could be sitting up there sipping lemonade. It was so smooth. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. In the name of Jesus, you got to hear me. I know right now things are being shaken in your family. I know right now things may be shaken in your business. I know right now things may be shaken in your marriage. I know right now things may be shaking in a teenager that's confused and doesn't know what they want to do with their life. I understand what's going on, but I will tarry until Pentecost. I'm going to push the throttle forward. I'm going to believe God for the miraculous. I believe there's a supersonic breakthrough. And when you break through, you're going to break through the sound barrier. And you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. Please, church, you must not be sidetracked by the violent shaking. The violent shaking means you're at an effectual and great door. You're about to go through a door into something that is going to be better than anything you've had. Don't get scared and retard the throttle. Don't get afraid and begin to pull back. Don't get scared and say, well, I just can't do this. Or don't get bored and say, I'm too tired to pray. With everything that's in you, if you only knew the people that are going to be saved because of the fact that you're pressing through, if you only knew that your future is very secure in Jesus Christ and it's about to smooth out like you've never seen it before. Oh my God, if you knew what God has planned for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seemed like I read somewhere a book somewhere that said, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I was thinking about another scripture in the Bible says that they're going to praise God from the rising of the sun. I'm thinking about Malachi chapter 1 verse 11 that says, from the, For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And then he says, For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. I don't know if it means anything to you, but from October 7th to March 6th, Cadillac Mountain is the first place to see the sun rise in the continental United States. From March 7, which I believe is today, correct? To March 24th, 
West Quaddy Head Lighthouse in Lubeck, Maine is the first place in the United States to see the rise of the sun. And the Bible predicts, for from the rising of the sun, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. Oh, God's got a revival for the people of Maine. God's got a huge revival for the people of Maine. My name shall be great among the Gentiles from the rising of the sun. I'll never forget, Brother Gary Hilliard, you'll remember, and I don't know if Brother Sean was in the assembly that day, when Sister Flo Shaw, who is a prophetess among us, came and spoke. She spoke for our church on a Sunday, I believe it was, or it might have been on a Wednesday night. I'm not sure which. And... That morning, she, she prayed over the main state House of Representatives. And she got up there, and folks, she just squared off, and she forgot. And she thought she's in a Pentecostal church. I saw people doing this. Representatives standing in, in the assembly hall, wiping tears from their face. And I saw the Spirit of God come upon Sister Flo Shaw. And I heard her quote from Psalm 56 and verse 9. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. And she said, God is for me. And then she said, M-E is abbreviation for Maine. And she stood there at the speaker's podium and she said, God is for Maine. God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm closing now. I'm quick. I'm pretty quick. How many ever heard of the rumble in the jungle? It was a historic boxing event that took place in Kinshasa, the largest city, by the way, in all of Africa. The date, October 30, 1974. It pitted the undefeated world heavyweight champion George Foreman against challenger Muhammad Ali. More than 60,000 people attended the stadium event and listen, an estimated 1 billion with a B viewers, which was about a quarter of the world's population in 1974, watched at home by television as the underdog Ali won that fight. The fight grossed 100 million in 1974, and it's been called the greatest sporting event of the 20th century. I got a reason for bringing it up, so just stay with me for a minute. At 25, the younger and stronger George Foreman had superior punching power, and he was an overwhelming favorite to win against Ali. However, as the second round began, Ali began to lean on the ropes and cover up, letting Foreman punch him on the arms and body. 
while the ropes absorbed much of the impact. As a result, Foreman exhausted his energy, throwing punches that either missed entirely or at least were deflected away from Ali's head. Meanwhile, as Foreman's strength waned due to the large number of punches he threw, Ali took every opportunity to shoot strategic straight punches to Foreman's face, which was soon visibly puffy. Ali would later refer to his strategy as rope a dope. They didn't call Muhammad Ali the Louisville lip for nothing. In the weeks leading up to the fight, he taunted George Foreman publicly with lines like these. Quote, You think the world was shocked when Nixon resigned? Wait till I whoop George Foreman's behind. Another one. Float like a butterfly. Sting like a bee. His hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. Another one. Now you see me. Now you don't. George thinks he will, but I know he won't. Whenever the two fighters were locked in clinches, listen to me now, this is important. Ali constantly talked in Foreman's ear, beating him to throw more punches. And an enraged Foreman responded by doing just that. Some observers thought Ali was being horribly beaten and they worried that they might see him get killed in the ring. But by the fifth round, Foreman was beginning to tire. Oh, Ali continued to taunt him by saying, they told me you could punch, George. And then just before the end of the eighth round, Ali pounced as Foreman tried to pin him on the ropes. And Ali landed several right hooks over Foreman's jab, followed by a five-punch combination culminating in a left hook that brought Foreman's head up into position and then a hard straight right to the face that sent Foreman crashing to the canvas. Many years later, George Foreman observed, and I quote him, I thought he was just one more knockout victim until about the seventh round. I hit him to the jaw, and he held me, and he whispered in my ear, that all you got, George? Then I realized that this ain't what I thought it was. Satan, devil, Lucifer, whatever you're called, your name represents destruction, death, and disease. 
You kill, destroy, maim, wound, hurt, murder, and slaughter. You are heartless, soulless, without love, mercy, or kindness. Your name represents deceit, deception, and dishonesty. You are a con. You're a liar. You're a cheat. You're a counterfeiter. You're a fraud. You're a fake. You're a pretender. You're a phony. You are the propagator of pain and poison. And I just want to tell you something. I know you're listening. You don't scare me. Because you are not the God of me. You're not the Lord of me. You have no authority in my life except by God's permission. You can't kill or hurt or destroy the eternal part of me. I belong to Jesus. He is my redeemer. He's my rescuer, my restorer, my savior. He's my Lord by my choice. I choose him. I reject you and everything about you. And as for Jesus, I trust him. I love him. I love his will. I love his ways. I love his truth. I love his doctrine. I love his holiness. I'm confident in his love. It never ends. It is forever as promised. And I say tonight in the name of Jesus, let there be peace and light and love and joy. I say that Jesus Christ has all power over drugs, alcohol, sex, immorality, over the false doctrines of this society, over every evil Pain. Jesus has all dominion. And devil, you never will get the final say. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. What shall we then say to these sayings, if God be for us? Who can be against us? Devil, is that all you got? I stand here today in the name of Jesus Christ. I stand here today in the name of Jesus Christ. It's a rumble in the jumble, jungle. I know that this is a fight to the death. I understand it. I knew it when I said yes. I knew it when I repented of my sins. I knew it when I was baptized in the name of Jesus. I knew it was a fight to the death when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But devil, is that all you got? Like a small boat 
the ocean, sending big waves into motion, like how a single word can make a heart open. I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion. And all those things I didn't say, wrecking balls inside my brain. I will scream them loud tonight. Can you hear my voice this time? This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Fight.